Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is it my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. All right, GoBundance Brothers, uh, are you going to walk your talk this year? Are you going to walk your talk in life? Right? One of our pillars is bucket list adventures. And I know one of the questions we have on the GoBundance app, if you knew that the life expectancy of your life was suddenly slashed in half, right? Instead of your expectation being lived at 90, all of a sudden it was 45, right? And you were, let's say less than that in age what would you do differently and almost everyone says i'd do more bucket list adventures right i'd go right to the bucket list so so think that way and i know everyone has their bucket list and we're going to give you some opportunities to create some bucket list adventures here you know we have a fan abundance trip in jackson hole to see the solar eclipse i know that Mark Swagger and uh, Daniel Ramsey and their families are like three or four Aaron's family. Three or four families are already getting RVs and driving around before this and then meeting there. And anyways, it's going to be a great little uh, fam abundance trip. It's August 17th to 22nd, five nights. Now, right now it's sold out, but there is a waiting list. So if you'd like to be on said waiting list, definitely reach out to Melanie. M-E-L-A-N-I at GoBundance.com. And then we got the Mount Katahdin trip. Uh, This is June 7th to the 11th. And uh, basically, this was a champions-only trip. And about five champions signed up. But then, uh, you know, we had 10 spots. And so now I have four more filled up with elite members. So I got one more elite member spot if you want to go. The same thing, reach out to Melanie. It's going to be awesome. We're going to start in Maine, in Bangor, Maine. Everything's going to be done for you. All you need to bring is a backpack, a bivy sack, which is like a little tent uh, that goes over your sleeping bag and your sleeping bag. And the, and we have two Go Crew going, and they're going to basically do pack all of the food and, and have everything set up. So all we need to do is hike, and it's just going to be an incredible hike, incredible time. There's a lot of uh, really deep shit that's discussed when you're stuck in the woods with a limited number of people and uh it's it's a i mean i've had some of my major breakthroughs on hikes with uh, peer partners i've probably done 10 with david and tim where we've you know gone deep into stuff and changed major things in our lives as a, as a result of, of plowing through these so if you got some shit on your mind and you want to you know get the advice of nine other brilliant minds uh, what you should do 
this is an opportunity because you don't do anything but talk to each other, right? Your phones don't even work. So, you know, I mean, they, they will work at certain roads that we cross, but for the most part, you know, it's one of those deals. So anyway, so a Mount Katahdin, and then we're going to party like rock stars uh, after the summit at uh, one of the, at the Hollywood casino afterwards and we're spending the night at the casino we've got uh, 10 rooms booked at the casino okay cool so anyways south africa trip uh september 24th october 4th our deadline is at us april 14th so here's the deal we reserve 20 spots at this really really cool remote uh, wildlife hotel in the middle of the jungle and on the 14th we're going to release any spots that we're not taking so we're going to release in, in any spots you know beyond uh, less than 20 so right now I got 14 people signed up if this is something you're considering I say jump on it make sure you got a spot so you can stay with us there uh, it's gonna be incredible a bunch of us are meeting in New York City the night before so that we don't miss our tea time at the legends golf course so look into that look into flying out of new york city at 11:05, i think in the morning is when uh, a bunch of us are going and that's what we got for you uh and of course uh, next year our january trip looks like it is going to be in steamboat Springs. so that is going to be awesome just announced jeff hoffman is a billionaire founder of priceline.com i'm sure you've heard of priceline and he's going to be at the event next uh, January. So plan on being there. And he is also giving us all a free book that he just wrote. So expect that in the mail. It's called Scale. Scale. And we're going to do a interview with him online. It's free to all GoBundance members. Uh, and that'll be a note in the mail. Yeah, that's all we got for now. Listen, sign up for your bucket list item and don't be a false prophet. Grab life big. Okay, go abundance brothers. Welcome to Grab Life Big. We have another brother on the line, and he has a lot to share, and we're going to get to know him very well today. So, without further ado, Corey Older, welcome. Thank you. Hey, Corey, why don't you give everybody a quick bio on yourself so they can get to know you better? Sure. So originally from Phoenix, born in Phoenix, and um, lived there uh, through high school, and then went to the University of Arizona in in Tucson, and got a undergraduate degree in accounting, and uh, then uh, actually stayed at U U of A and got a master's in accounting, um, because I wanted to get my CPA, and you had to do that at the time. And so I got my CPA and started working for uh, Deloitte & Touche in, in Phoenix, uh, which was probably, I guess, 2003 or so. And did that for a couple years and uh, met my now wife in, in Phoenix. And uh, right around, actually, right before I met her, I had kind of decided I wanted to move out of Arizona. I'd spent my whole life there. And so I put in a transfer with Deloitte to their Austin office. I had a buddy that lived out here, and I had come to visit him and really liked the town. And uh, so put in a transfer to Austin and um, did that and convinced my now wife to, to come out as well. 
and worked for Deloitte here for a couple of years, but then was really starting to get interested in, in real estate and had an investment property and, and just knew I wanted to be closer to the industry. And my wife started to work for the head Keller, or the headquarters of Keller Williams, which is based here in Austin. And a job opened up in their finance department to be their controller. So I was still kind of in accounting, but it got me closer to real estate. And so I applied for that job and, and got it. So I was the uh, controller of Keller Williams for a couple years. And, uh, but I was always ducking my head and other things that I found more interesting than, than accounting and ran the, was the operations director for the commercial department for a while and had various different roles there. And then um, I guess about five years ago, I took a year off and went to um, uh, an MBA program called Acton, which is an entrepreneurial-focused uh, MBA program. Um, all, all, you know, leading to, into this, I kept kind of acquiring more properties and getting more and more into real estate. And so went to Acton, and then graduated from Acton and then went back to Keller Williams and did uh, various projects for a few years, working with the executive team and uh, some of the company owners on, on different different projects. And um, while I was doing that, uh, me and a business partner started a, a company, which was now about three years ago, uh, maybe a little longer, three and a half years ago, I guess, uh, doing real estate development while I was still working at Keller Williams, I was kind of moonlighting on that. And my, my business partner was on it full time. And um, right around in there had a, had a son as well, uh, who's now uh, four years old. And uh, so I was moonlighting and, and starting this company and um, just raised my family. And then I guess a little over a year ago, I left Keller Williams and just basically to, to work on my company full time. And uh, now we are a uh, both commercial and residential developer in Austin have various urban infill projects in, uh, in the South Lamar area, which is kind of one of the prime areas within Austin, and have now one big commercial project um, going on that's um, a mixed-use project and various land plays over town, around town. And uh, yeah, so living in Austin and loving what I'm doing, and um, wife is uh, just exactly 12 weeks pregnant. And so we're pretty excited awesome. about number two. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Sure. Probably. Well, I know I've heard a couple times because, you know, David and I, uh, as elders, as we always do, we go through our net worth statements and one sheets. And I know David gave you like half a million bucks for that deal. So it sounds like you better not blow that one, huh? <laughs> yeah. He gave, gave me a half million and he, he was also, uh, he, he and another individual were, were the guarantors for really Oh, large definitely note. better not that one. So how's that one going? It's going really awesome, actually. Yeah, we're about to, it, the way it works in Austin, it's a pretty rigorous process to get through just site permit, just the, you know, the approval to, to actually build these mixed-use projects. And this is in kind of one of the major thoroughfares in Austin and just a prime piece of land. And so we've just about uh, nailed down the entire site plan and about to actually officially submit it to the city. And then we'll have about a year of just doing that till we were actually approved to, to go build it. But in that, in that time, since we acquired the land about six months ago, um, we were able to, uh, secure a pretty awesome anchor tenant. Um, so it'll be mostly multifamily. It'll be about 300,000 square feet of multifamily, but a hundred a little over 100,000, maybe 110,000 square feet of retail and office. 
and so, we've secured. So, so what's yeah. that look like? Like uh, how many apartments and how many little shops? Yeah, so about 350 apartments. Nice. And then the total office space will be either 40 or 50,000 square feet. We're deciding how many levels we want to go. So we could, it'll either be 40 uh, if we keep it a basically three floors in office, or we can add another floor and, and, and take it up to uh, 50,000 square feet of office. And then another, um, let's see, another about 80,000 of retail, which will really be made up, almost half of it is being taken by one anchor tenant who um, we're not, we're in the final stages of lease. And so it's a uh, pretty private right now. So I can't share too much about it, but a really uh, exciting tenant for the area, entertainment focused. Um, it, it'll be really a, a great, great tenant for, for the project. And then, a, a, and then we'll have another 40,000 square feet of various office off or not offices, uh, restaurants. So probably three or four other restaurants, you know, a couple you know, a coffee shop and, you know, the some of those Jeez. typical other Wait things. Wait, so, yeah, all all in your space. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. So how did you go from like a year ago, <laughs> basically zero development experience and zero, you know, investing uh, to this? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a pretty crazy road. So um, one, I've got a really capable uh, business partner who's about 15 years older than me, and he's been doing uh, construction and development for um, about uh, probably 20 years. And he and I partnered three years ago just because I've, I've got a finance background. I've got a good network and uh, I've got my, you know, I was had my real estate license. And so we, we thought we'd be a good match. He could kind of take the helm on the construction and, and zoning. And I'd take the lead on raising the capital for our projects. And we both worked together to ident identify projects and, you know, I'd sell the the future products. And so we started doing that. And it's kind of funny how thing, one thing leads to another. We were doing that. And before we knew it, we had, you know, gosh, probably 20 homes um, being built around Austin. And, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, spread over seven or eight projects. And in that time, we decided we really wanted to diversify into some cash flowing assets. And multifamily really caught our attention. And we really liked this one area, Riverside. And so we started calling on all the land for sale on, on Riverside and, um, and both for sale and, and land for not, not for sale. And it, I mean, our, our thought is always, we've always come from the approach in all of our projects and this one's no different is once you secure the land, um, that is what really opens the doors. You can't really talk to anyone until you either have the land under contract or you've, or you've bought it. So we always start there. And so we knew this was going to be a big leap. So he said, well, let's just go ahead and see if we can find some land that's the right size and, and get it under contract. And then we'll go talk to everyone and see if we can make this thing happen. And so we spotted this piece of land and we really liked it. Uh, it was bigger than we intended. We were, you know, maybe shooting to do a, a couple hundred unit apartment complex at the time. But we really liked this piece of land for a lot of various reasons, um, both related to zoning. Uh, it had really preferable zoning and just the actual layout of the site was really preferable. It was the right area. It was just kind of right checking all the boxes, but it was bigger than we wanted. Um, in order to really justify buying the land, we had to expand the project. So rather than doing um, a couple hundred units, um, it would have it would have that would have not maximized the land. We really uh, looked at it as like, okay, well, what really makes sense here? And leaning both on 
my business partners, you know, uh, long construction and development experience, and also, you know, various different advisors that we brought into the mix. Um, we felt really comfortable with the project, and we were also able to show all of the potential investors that um, just by getting the land entitled, just getting it through that site permit plant process, uh, which we had already proven on our other projects that we were fully capable of doing, that that created a lot of value. And we actually were able to generate a lot of comps in the area that show, showing that land value is, you know, close to double um, w once you actually had the site permit to build. Um, and so that was really the, the key of um, securing that deal was, was getting the land and kind of showing our investors of, okay, even if you don't believe in us to take this deal all the way through, you, you know, we've already proven we're capable of getting this through the entitlement process. And we can, and we can show you um, that just by doing that one process, just by taking it through entitlement, even if we never build it, we've created a ton of value and we can um, return money to our investors and, you know, make a great return. Our intent is to, to see it the whole way through, but we kind of took that approach in, in, in pitching it. Wow. Exciting. Well, you'll have to keep us play by play on that. That's exciting for sure. That's exciting for sure. Um, all right, cool. Well, let's jump into some of these questions now. So what is your you know, goal 10 years from now? Where, where does Corey want to be 10 years from now? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so on the family side, well, one, one thing already in motion, which I shared is, uh, we, you know, we'd like another child. And so uh, my wife, Danielle, is 12 weeks pregnant. And so we would have, I guess, at that point, uh, an eight-year-old, or well, let's see, yeah, eight, nine-year-old, I guess, and a, um, our other son is four, so he'd be 14, so uh, kind of starting the teenage years, so, we, you know, uh, ha have a couple couple kids. We are, we've been kind of between places, because we've been remodeling a home for a long time, and we're actually moving into our remodeled home, which took way longer than we ever thought tomorrow, so uh, hopefully 10 years from now, we're still in that home and, and, and loving it. And, um, I want to be really engaged with my, my family. And so I want to, and it kind of goes into the business side. I, I want to have enough passive income where money is just really not an issue. I still think I'm going to work really, really hard cause I'd get bored and I like to do lots of things and like big challenges, but I really, from that business side, want to be way more than a hundred percenter at that 10 year mark. So we really can write our own rules and do what we want when we want. And um, spend a lot of time with my family. I want to be able to 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 travel with them and um, and spend time with them, be involved in their lives and you know in sports or whatever activities they're involved in. Um, contributing to my community is a big part of just who I am. I've, I've been that way for a long time. I'm I'm a, a mentor for a group here in Austin and. I don't know if I'll still be a mentor for them. That's um, I'm sure my role will change, but it's really important that even 10 years from now, I'm whether maybe I'm on boards or or, or, or some, taking some other role, but that I'm continuously in, involved in my community. And um, I'd love to just uh, teach too at some at some point. The MBA program I mentioned to to you that I, I attended is a really unique school, and it's taught by all. CEOs and you know established entrepreneurs and it'd be pretty cool to be invited to teach there one day and be valid enough to to be to teach future entrepreneurs so I'd love that to be part of my my life in, in 10 years and um, yeah and have a 
have bucket list adventures and a lot of net worth too. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So, and I guess a lot of your passive uh, will be coming from, I mean, I mean, is your intention to have a significant amount of passive from the, from the development you're doing now? Yeah, so this, this our plan is to, we want to keep it. My, my business partner, I want to keep as much of it as, as we can. And uh, we'll have, you know, some investors involved. The total projects, you know, up, you know over $80 million in cost. And so we'll definitely, we've got some great capital sources already lined up, but we'll have to give some of that equity away. But our intent is to, to hold it for a long time. And I think while it's not our plan to only have this one project, um, if we only did have this project, just the passive income from that would, um, you know, would take me way over. Um, way over 100 percenter. Yep. Now, has yep. your partner um, done projects this big before? He's done um, mixed-use development entitlement. So he's taken it all the way through the, the um, site plan process. And he's also has not this exact product, but he has a lot of construction experience where he used to build highways and, and, and bridges and, and those types of things. But he's never taken a mixed-use project all the way through entitlement, all the way through um, stabilization. And so we're also, you know, bringing, you know, there's things that we know and we feel very confident on. And there's also things where we feel like, okay, we got a little gap here. So we'll bring, you know, some of that equity will not just go to investors, but it'll be like, okay, we need this. We're identifying those parties right now. We really need this person to, to fill this hole or, or this gap. And uh, so there's different various people that will be partnering that'll get equity in the project to fill some of those gaps where, where we have them. Smart man, smart man. Okay, so let's talk about the pillars, Corey. So which of the six pillars uh, does Corey suck at? Yeah, great <laughs> great question. I, I think I'm, I bet I'm like most people in that I kind of like swing in and out of favor of each of these at any given time. You could catch me and I'm killing one and, and sucking at another. Right now, right in this moment, um, age-defying health, I've not been great at my no excuses. It's just been uh, my my uh, in in being pregnant. Uh, my wife has had uh, been been on a pretty picky diet, and that is not an excuse. But I've let it kind of seep into the to my to what I'm eating, and so I've been not eating very well. I've still been exercising, but it's just I in the past I've been more rigorous in both my diet and my exercise, and uh, that's probably the weakest one um, which one moment. do you say you're you're most effective at you know i feel really good about actually genuine contribution that's that's something i'm pretty proud of at the moment i'm uh, I, I started talking a little bit about it but i'm a mentor for a program in austin called explore austin and it's for it's a not-for-profit um helping um at-risk youth um the kids that and basically, it's it's kind of like Big Brothers Big Sisters, but it's group mentoring. So we've got five guys and, and 15, 15 uh, we call them explorers. You know, mm -hmm. they're basically like our mentees. And the cool thing is, we start with them. They were in sixth grade, so we this started like almost four years ago. And now our same kids are sophomores in in high school. And I'm pretty proud about them and they're, they're doing really awesome. And I talk and text with them all the time. Once a month, we take them on some type of outdoor adventure one week each year. We take them on a week on long trip. Um, I've also raised a lot of money for, for the organization and, um, 
it, it, I'm pretty proud about that one, and that not, that's a category that I think I'm doing pretty good on right now. Wow, wow, yeah, that's 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 a great way, and I feel the same way. I have several mentors. I have uh, several mentees. Three, actually, one in South Carolina and two in Baltimore, and I do the same thing. You know, something similar, and that's a great way to fulfillment for sure. Um, yeah. And they're fun, and kids, uh, king, kids, uh, you know, they make you laugh, and they're fun. Yeah, they really are, and especially they're now, you know, when we started, they were 11, and now they're, you know, turning 16, and it's just funny how the dialogue's changed, and uh, the way I can interact with them, and uh, yeah, they, they make me laugh, and I've learned probably as much about leadership, and <laughs> in some ways, parenting, too, Um from them. You know, I think I've, it's like anything, you know, I think I've learned more from them than, than I've taught them. No problem. Yeah. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. Okay. So, uh, and go abundance. We talk about the give back ratio, which ties into this, you know, if you make a hundred grand and you give back 10 of that, that would be a 10% give back ratio. Now, if you heard Pat Cullinane's interview, uh, Pat has actually figured out how to, how to make what his time in giving back is equal to on a monetary basis. And then he added that, like he figured out $200 an hour and then added up all his hours that he volunteered and included that in his give back ratio, which I think is fair. I don't know how you do it. Why don't you tell us? Yeah, I'm probably more like Pat. I do do um, monetary contributions and I also raise money for, you know, for, um, uh, various organizations, but mo- mostly for Explore Austin. And, you know, maybe that's in the, if I total up, maybe it, it's not huge. Maybe it's five or, or 10%. My my hours is probably the way I, I give back the most. And, you know, with, with Explore Austin, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's probably, um, you know, three, two to 300 hours a year in, in total time um, that I give back to that. And so, and my time's definitely worth more than Pat's. So, <laughs> whatever, whatever. And his is two hundred, so mine must be two hundred one. So that would be uh, that'd be sixty. That'd be sixty k. <laughs> That's funny. You can tell him I said that. Uh, he'll hear this. All right, cool. So, all right. So, what brings you joy? You know, I get joy from a lot of different, um, a lot of different things. Um, on the family side, just seeing my wife or my son succeed brings me a lot of joy. I, I get, a, a, for whatever reason, um, kindness brings a lot of joy to me. Like seeing my son or hearing that he was really kind or did something really kind for another um, person makes me, you know, incredibly joyful. I mean, just last week, uh, another parent in his daycare, I mean, he's only four years old, uh, told me that uh, Hudson opened the door for their little girl. And Hudson said, you know, to the little girl, you know, boys are supposed to open doors, you know, for girls. And it somehow made the way all the way to the parent. And, you know, little moments like that, uh, just knowing that he's um, being kind to others brings me a lot of joy. And also just seeing him succeed, seeing him, um, he recently learned how to ride a bike. And (laughs) it's just, uh, I got a a lot of joy from just seeing him tackle the challenge and succeed and and persevere. even, even when it's scary, uh, on the, on the business side, um, I just, I call it slaying dragons. Um, I like to have like this project I was talking about is this dragon I'm trying to slay. And I get a lot of joy from that. Just having a big, huge challenge that I'm trying to, um, 
that I'm trying to tackle that I feel equipped to, to tackle and I, and I, but it challenges me at the same time. Uh, I get a lot of joy from that fulfillment. I kind of seek problems. What, what are the problems that I'm really good at solving and trying to put myself in a position where I can go solve big, massive problems. Um, and I get a lot of joy, joy from that, uh, those types of activities. And then, you know, I love the same, uh, I just call them sensational experiences, you know, whether it's amazing trips with my wife or, you know, having a, having a great meal and all of those things. And I, it's funny, I, they're great in the moment. I mean, I enjoy those actual things while they're happening, but I think I actually get more joy from them leading up to them and reflecting upon them than I do in the actual moment. Um, I bet if you, if there was some way of tabulate, you know, accumulating all, all that, I bet it, you, you'd, you'd find out that I get actual more joy from the before and after than actual event. But I think having a great experience, you know, like the events we have and, you know, we just had a great, um, you know, great time in, in Whistler. And uh, I remember, uh, Aaron Amash, I can't say Aaron's last name. I've been trying for years, but just say Aaron, Aaron, a, yeah. Aaron, uh, Amusha Stegi. Uh, he kind of convinced me uh, to go down the bobsled with him, and uh, it was a great 40 seconds. But then I think about, you know, since then, you know, I, I've thought about it quite a bit and rewatched the videos, and so I get a lot of joys from those types of uh, uh, those types of things. And uh, the last one, which I've already talked about, just contributing and and being kind to others, and you know, I get a lot of joy from the, the Explore Austin group that I'm involved with and um, giving back. Yeah, well, good. Good, good, absolutely. Okay, so let's get into some uh, deep stuff here, okay. if you're ready. Now, let me explain this to you just to make sure you understand, because a lot of people that do this screw it up, okay? Okay. I am going to talk about this plane question, and then I'm going to shut my mouth, and you are going to make a phone call, an imaginary phone call. So don't talk in the third person. You're talking in the first person to someone on the phone. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, let's go. Okay, Corey, your plane is going down. You look out the window and you see smoke. The captain says, brace for impact. We are going down. You have the ability to make one call. You pick up the phone. Go. Hi, I'm dialing my son. Hudson, are you there? Hudson, so I'm in a plane and uh, it's going down. And I've only got a minute to talk to you. And I want to tell you a, a, a few things. I don't want to dwell on my plane going down. Um, I want to tell you that I'm sorry that I'm not going to be there for you. Um, but I'm confident that you are a strong, wonderful human being. And I want to pass on a few things to you. Um, one, I want you to take care of your mom. She's a wonderful, beautiful lady inside and out. She's extremely kind, and she cares and loves you more than anything in, in, in the world. And, and so take care of your mom from always, always. Um, secondly, I want to remind you that you're a wonderfully kind person. From the moment uh, you were born, you, you've always been very kind to, to others and respectful to others, and don't, don't, ever, uh, don't, don't ever lose that. And... I also want to tell you to to go for it um, in all things life. Um, be you've heard me talk about the, the Roosevelt quote and being the man in the arena. Be, be the man in the arena. Be the guy that's trying to slay dragons. Don't don't be the critic on the side 
um, telling them how, how they could have done better. So, so go for whatever it is you want in your life and um, be the best person that you can be. Know that I love you as much as anyone's ever loved an another person, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of whoever you decide to, to go be. And um, I love you, and, and take care of your, your mom and, uh, and the rest of our family. Good deal, man. Very well. Very good. Very good. And you did it without crying. Did I screw it so up? Congratulations. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you didn't. You didn't. So, all right. Let's talk about uh, some more positive things, right? Let's talk about Corey Older's greatest hits. As you know, in the music industry, which there's a lot of in Austin, Texas, yeah. you know, uh, everybody has a greatest hits album. So, if I were to look back at your life so far, what were your five greatest hits in life? Um, well, first one is kind of a funny one. Um, when I was uh, 20 years old, my, my mom passed away, and which is funny, seems funny to say is the greatest hit because it certainly wasn't. It was my, my, my worst moment. But getting through that, I, I stayed strong. I kind of like had this crossroads where I was either going to go off a cliff or, or – or take this challenge step on and, uh, or head on. And, um, that was a really powerful, probably like couple of years for me where I really felt like I came into my own and I'm really proud of why well, I miss my mom. And that's been really proud of how I, I handled that couple of years. It felt like I, rather than back down, I, I didn't let it ever be an excuse. I just excelled and just decided it was my motivation to do better. Your, um, your so, springboard. How, how did she die? Yeah. She got a really rare virus called uh, cardiomyopathy, and it was she's super healthy lady. And I was in college, and got a got a call from her that said that she was going in the hospital because she was you know not was feeling kind of fatigued, and uh, went and visited her the next weekend, and um, and you know had a nice weekend with her. She was in the hospital, and they were still trying to kind of figure out what's going on. You know, nothing nothing didn't feel too serious. And then I went back to school, and then I think the next weekend my dad called and just said get here kind of now and uh but by, by the time i got to phoenix which was two hours away she, she had passed away so it was pretty uh caught really uh completely blindsided our entire family it was tough tough moment but um you know proud of the way that i um handled the situation and um i think she'd be proud of who i am and, and how i handled it do you think she was already dead when your dad called no, she was, well, she was, you know, in the hospital. And so she was medically uh, alive. You know, I don't, I, I've talked to my brother about that, you know, cause he was actually physically there in the hospital and she did some things where, um, just some recognition with that makes me feel like, yeah, she, she was still. Only reason I say that is because, you know, sometimes yeah. you wonder if, you know, if something like that happens, you never want to tell the person over the phone, your mom died because then you, you're going to, you know, that car ride there is going to be an absolute, right. You know, so you tell them, Hey, yeah, yeah, or, or maybe you tell the doctors nowadays, Hey, just keep her going. So her son can, you know, get here. Yeah. Which, which it sounds like that happened. Such a, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Re really what happened was when I got there, she was technically still alive, but she was in set. They wouldn't let me into the room. I mean, it was like, you know, full court press in the, in the ICU. And so I, you know, to, in my mind, I never saw, you know, really by the time I got there, it felt like she was already gone. I never got to see her alive. Oh, uh, okay. So it was, it was really right and, there. And that's, does that disease, and I've heard of it before, I don't know where, but does that, 
Like what happens to how many years ago is that? That was uh, 17 years ago. Okay, so yeah. you're 37. So yep. what, hap- what would happen if I got that or someone got that or you got that today? It's not, it, that was the weird thing about it is it doesn't normally have that reaction. I mean, they, they had diagnosed her with that disease um, when I, you know, kind of right after I left, they, you know, they said, okay, this is what you have. And it was just like, okay, here's the medicine you're going to start taking and, hey, you need to try and change your diet and, you know, you're going to, you know, all, for the most part, live a normal life. You just need to be more careful about these things. And I, I left the hospital the previous weekend thinking, okay, mom's on the way to being released from the hospital. And so um, I have heard, I think there's different kinds of it. And I used to do, at, at the time, I did a bunch of research on it. And there were other incidents like this where it's kind of like someone gets it um, and they have a very bad reaction or you know something else complicated it that, that caused them to, to die. Uh, but a lot of times I think it's not, it's something that can be just monitored. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's uh, terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. It's interesting. You make that your greatest hit. A lot yeah, of I know. Listening I, well, would be like, damn, dude, really? That. <laughs> well, I'm proud of just, uh, I'm not, that was my worst hit, but uh, I'm, I'm proud of just uh, uh, persevering through that. And I think she'd be, be proud of that. Right. right. So Did going on get, to more fun things. Yeah, go ahead. What are the next four? <laughs> So just convincing my wife to like date and marry me, I feel like was a pretty amazing feat. Mm-hmm. I remember the day I met her uh, that, that night telling a buddy, I'm like, man, if this girl just like even goes out with me, it'll be, you know, amazing. And so the fact that I actually convinced her to, to start dating me and eventually marry me and, you know, have kids and uh, I feel really <laughs> blessed and it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so definitely one of my biggest hits. And well, another thing on the kind of contribution side I'm, I'm proud of is when I was at uh, Keller Williams, I actually stole an idea from when I was working at Deloitte. Deloitte used to have a, they still do have a day called Impact Day. It was the day where everyone took the day off work and they went and contributed in their communities. And so when I started working at Keller Williams um, at their headquarters, I said, you know, they had kind of, I was in the right platform. They had, you know, things where they're always looking for new ideas. And I, and I said, hey, why, why don't we do this um, where we basically start this annual day uh, which we named Red Day, where we take take the day off, and um, you know all the agents across across now the world go out and contribute in their communities, and um, it took off, and it's been written. They still do it till this day, you know, and it's pretty cool to see. I always still participate in it, and you know it's pretty cool to see agents like in other countries on the news doing something in their community. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really pretty proud of that one. And uh, this deal on uh, on Riverside in Austin that I told you about, that was um, kind of felt like I caught a tiger by the tail, you know, mm-hmm. and just trying to cage this thing. And uh, closing on that land felt really good. And um, everything's going exactly how we planned it to go right now, actually better than that in some regards. And so um, proud about proud about that. And um, I think that was four. Let's see. My, my other one was probably that school I mentioned uh, act in is a really difficult, um, intense program. It's a, you know, it's hundred hours a week, you know, legitimate hundred hours a week of, of school and, um, really intense program. And, uh, I was proud to make it through that. I, I, I did really well and, and graduated really high in my class and not that that really, I didn't really care about the grades, but it just felt good to have this really difficult challenge and, um, and make it through, um, and something all 
it was one of the hardest, it was hands down the hardest mental thing I've ever, ever done. And so, um, proud about that. Yeah. Well, those are good ones, buddy. Those are good ones. All right. So, uh, let's talk about bucket list items. Like we, some people call them future greatest hits. So what, what are your top five bucket list items? Yeah, I was re- kind of reviewing my one sheet earlier today to to kind of just get my mind going on these. Um, one, I, my wife and I talk all the time about just living either abroad or other cities for like months at a for a month or so at a time. Like I'd love to, um, you know, spend a month abroad in you know south, southern France or um, something like that somewhere in Europe with, with my family, just an extended, extended time in them, uh, extended time with them in another, uh, city or, or country. So a lot of the items on my bucket list are just different countries, a month in Australia, a month in France, uh, summer in New York city, uh, um, you know, a month in Denver. And, and so I've got a lot of different, different, uh, cities and, and countries around the world on my bucket list. Um, I love skiing and probably the most I've ever gotten was 10 days a year, uh, maybe, maybe 11. And I'd love to get, you know, 20 plus days in, in a year and, and try a different, a lot of different, uh, resorts. Um, my wife and I have now been married, I guess, oh, coming on nine years. And for our 10th year anniversary, I'd, we'd really like to do a European trip. So that's, that's on the list. Love to, I haven't been to Yosemite, so that's on, that's, I used to love to rock climbing and still do like to uh, rock climb and, so I'd love to see uh, see Yosemite. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to go on the snow water trip. I'd really like to go heli skiing um, too. So that's I can go on and on. There are a lot of different aspects of my life, and um, I mentioned being a teacher would also be on be on the list. And um, seeing all the the Explore Austin kids that I've talked about, uh, seeing them graduate college too, I think that'll be um, super cool. As well as eventually seeing my own children. Uh, graduate high school and, and college and becoming a, on the long-term uh, bucket list, just becoming a, a grandfather and um, seeing my kids have their own families would be pretty, pretty special. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All, I mean, all those things will be brilliant. I mean, I always say, you know, what would be brilliant is if uh, any of those kids were to do some sort of speech somewhere, whether it be at a roast or be at a, um, you know, at their graduation or whatever of from yeah. college or something where they say, you know, you know, Pat, you know, did, did a special shout out, you know, to yeah. Corey without, without his help, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, have made this day possible. That would be yep. like an, an awesome event. That would definitely be a greatest hit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, I mean, it sounds like you kind of relate to, you know, that, that mentee mentor relationship. And the funny thing about it is, you kind of, for me, like, I think I'm helping, but you kind of never know. Like you just go, you know, you don't, you don't know, you know, especially with inner <laughs> yeah. city kids because they, what they're surrounded with is so unreal. Um, yeah. I, I, I have several, I had five come to my house this summer, three from Baltimore. And then, um, Sam Wagert brought, uh, two kids, uh, with him from Char- uh, Charlotte and, you know, since that time of those, uh, one of the three kids got caught in a stolen car mm. and uh, ran away from home and um, didn't, didn't show up for like five days, just vanished, you know, kids only like 14 years old. And so, you, you know, you have these high hopes. You're like, dude, what are you doing? 
and he came back around, but who knows? You know, you just don't know, you know, what's, what's going to happen. All you can do is try to make today better for him, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's also been um, just the things that they have to deal with is really something I just have no experience with. I mean, even all, all our kids are all Hispanic and most of their, at least half, maybe most of their parents are probably, um, you know, are, are for the most part undocumented. And, and so lots of the kids, some of the kids are even, you know, I don't, I make a point of not asking, but are, are definitely, you know, illegal immigrants. And uh, with everything that's happening right now, hearing some of their stories is just, it's just really hard. Like one kid was telling us that his mom literally won't leave the house. And so he is the one that all of a sudden, he's the guy that's, you know, taking the bus and going to the grocery store and getting groceries for the family because, you know, parents are afraid to leave the house. And you're like, I just, it's so far removed from anything I ever, ever had to deal with that it's when you put it, when you try to put it in their context, um, you know, it's just, it's, they have, they're, you know, they're in a tough place. So I hope that, you know, we're trying to ease that a little bit and, you know, and it'd be really great to see some of them succeed at a, some or all of them succeed at a high level. Yeah. On my, on my other podcast, uh, real estate rock stars, I had, uh, Diego Corzo on there and, mm-hmm. and he told his story about, uh, having to be a, a an asset to society. And mm. I thought that was, uh, fascinating hearing him explain what an asset to society is and whatever. But if it, that, uh, if you get a chance, you can listen to that. Just, uh, if you guys want to hear it, go to Hyben Digital and just type in Diego Corzo. All right, Corey. Well, listen, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you uh, sharing all this. Great stuff. Best of luck to you in all your future endeavors. And uh, that's it, buddy. Cool, man. Thank you for doing this. Have a great day, my friend. All right. You too. Grab life big. 